You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, and I'm glad to be with you today for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights for our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. This week, we begin with a highlight from Catholic Schools Today. Co-host Dr. Jim Rigg gave an update on Chicago's Catholic schools. Let's take a listen. I'm joined today with the superintendent of our Archdiocese Schools, Dr. Jim Rigg. Welcome. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing? It's Good, a beautiful you, sunny day. Did you get your five-mile run in this morning? <laughs> of course I did. You and yeah, me both. Right. You and me both. <laughs> well, good to hear your voice. Uh, let's hear what's going on in our in our Catholic school. It's got. I was just thinking this morning, boy, the kids have to be excited today just to be able to go out in recess in beautiful weather. I mean, it, we're like turning that corner again. We are indeed. So first of all, I regret I cannot be with you in person. Yeah. We still have the pandemic out there, and uh, it's safer for me to join via phone, which it, I'm happy to do. Exactly. But uh, hopefully sooner or later I will be in person. It, it actually has been a year now since the last time I was in person for the show. It was a, a year ago last March, our last uh, Catholic Schools Today radio show with Father Greg and I in studio. And then it was shortly after, on Friday the 13th of March, 2020 that we announced that we were moving to virtual learning yeah, in our amazing. Catholic school system. So it's a, it's been about a year now, and I, uh, I continue to be so just impressed and heartened by the incredible work of our uh, teachers and principals and school employees working with our students and families. Uh, in spite of all of the challenges and complexity of the pandemic, our schools really have done an incredible job at making sure that we could support in-person learning this whole school year and keep students and employees safe. They haven't seemed to miss a beat. No, and as we talked about last month, you know, we've had some very affirming uh, uh, standardized assessment scores that Mm -hmm. show that our students are not sliding at all academically. They're continuing to learn, uh, even as some, especially public school systems, have struggled to get kids back in and kids are slipping behind. That is certainly not the case for our Catholic schools. That's great. Well, what's what's exciting coming up? Well, as you mentioned, um, the sun is shining, and we're at a place now where we can uh, get kids back outside for things like recess. Uh, we're in the process of releasing, believe it or not, some guidelines for our schools on summer activities. Oh, great. So, uh, you know, for those schools that have, whether it's summer school or various camps or, you know, sporting things in the summertime, you know, that varies a bit by school, and, and schools may, may or may not want to proceed with everything this year. Uh, but we are putting out some guidelines that will allow schools to do that safely if they wish. So that'll be coming out in the next few days for our uh, principals. And, of course, we're uh, now in the season of Lent, and there's yes. a lot happening in our Catholic schools uh, to, to recognize this important liturgical season. So, uh, you know, ranging from special service projects to prayers to uh, other events in our Catholic schools. Now, I remember when my wife taught for many years in Catholic schools, St. Martha's in Morton Grove, St. Joseph in the city. And I remember part of Lent was 
like going over to church for the stations or morning mass. Can our kids do that, or is everything pretty much virtual for them in terms of the so, religious stuff? Yeah, so just like everything else, we've put out some guidelines on this. So kind of what is, uh, what is allowable for Catholic schools in terms of uh, special Lenten observances? And uh, so, you know, certain things like Stations of the Cross are allowable within certain parameters. Mm-hmm. So in, in talking to our principals and teachers, uh, some schools are doing virtual Stations of the Cross. Others are doing them with very small groups. Uh, so, you know, it kind of varies, but we do have uh, specific guidance that helps them through that. And likewise for things like, you know, reconciliation services and other things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, but so especially with the nice weather coming up in that, what about sports programs? What are what are they going to be looking like for the spring at guidelines, I'm sure? Yeah, so um, some schools have been allowed to proceed with uh, some level of spring athletics. It's very different than a normal year, obviously. Uh, up until now, we haven't really supported sports at our schools, uh, but some schools, if they feel like they're ready, are proceeding with uh, athletics, with limited athletics programs. Uh, again, there's an array of health and safety requirements that emerge out of, uh, out of state guidance as well as the uh, Illinois Elementary Athletic Association. Uh, but we do have some schools that are supporting things like baseball or softball or track and field cross-country and other sports this spring. Again, doesn't doesn't look like a normal year. You know, mm-hmm. kids are wearing masks, and there's distancing and a lot of other requirements that are involved in that. Uh, but we do have some schools where that sort of thing is happening, especially at the high school level. So the high schools really jumped back in uh, a few weeks ago with uh, with basketball and some other indoor sports. And so far, it seems to have gone uh, fairly well. Now, you mentioned high school, but if Greg were sitting here, he'd do a shout-out to Loyola University on that tremendous win yesterday. They're going to the NCAA. That's tremendous. Now, um, I would bet our listeners, do all the Catholic schools have the same spring or Easter break? How does that work? No. So each school sets its own local calendar within parameters that we set in my office. So each school is at liberty to set their spring break when they want to set their spring break. So most of our schools, easily half of them, will take uh, the week after Easter. Okay. Uh, we do have a set that will take Holy Week, and then especially up in the Lake County, Northern Cook area, it's common to take the third or fourth week of March. Uh, some of our, especially Lake County schools, uh, receive busing services from local public school districts, and so they, they have to align with the, uh, the public school district calendars. But yes, yeah, so spring break is, is around the corner for some of our schools, especially in Lake County. We're just a couple weeks away, and then we're about a month away from most of our schools taking their spring breaks. And how does that COVID uh, regulation work in terms of if people travel during that break? Right. So we are following the guidance of the Chicago Department of Public Health. We know not all of our schools are in Chicago, but we have to look at all all of the local health districts and kind of make decisions as to what, what's best to follow. And so we decided uh, several months ago to use the Chicago Department of Public Health, which has a very active, uh, frequently updated travel advisory map. And it's been nice to see that in recent uh, days and weeks, uh, some of those travel restrictions have loosened a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, officially, the health departments tell us still not to travel. It's, you know, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. There are new variants of COVID out there, and it's probably best to just have a safe spring break at home, which is what I'll be doing with my family. Yeah. Uh, but for those that feel compelled to travel, 
Uh, the CDPH has classified all states into two categories, yellow and orange. You can travel to yellow states if, uh, without any restrictions, and you can travel to uh, orange states, but you have to quarantine when you come back. Now, there's a notable exception, and that is vaccinations. Yes. And right now we're in the midst of rolling out our system-wide vaccination plan for all school employees. So at this point, about half of our school employees, teachers, and other, other staff members have received their first dose of vaccine. And the rest should be getting it by the end of the month. So that's that's really exciting. That's great. And I know the Cardinal yesterday uh, at the ABC Mass had said, encourage people, please, whatever vaccine is available, please take that vaccine. It will be, it's yes. the right decision. I know that the, uh, the Cardinal as well as the Pope have put out some writings affirming that there should not be a moral issue with exactly. receiving any of the available vaccines. Our thanks to Dr. Rigg for that timely information. Later in that same program, Dr. Rigg and co-host Mark Teresi spent time talking with teachers and students from St. Ferdinand about their participation in Operation Rice Bowl activities. Here's a highlight. Uh, we're going to be discussing um, wonderful programs that St. Ferdinand's school is incorporated into their Lenten programs, ways of our young people to affiliate and understand the poor in our world. So in solidarity with hungry children around the world, St. Ferdinand's school students had a rice bowl lunch last week. Through having a bowl of rice for lunch, students were able to empathize with people around the world that that may be their only meal uh, in a day or maybe more than a day. Students are collecting money for Catholic Relief Services during Lent, through the Operation Rice Bowl Project. Students prayed for those who are hungry, and they learned how the money they will raise through Operation Rice Bowl will be used to help improve the lives of those in need. I'm happy today to welcome our guest via telephone, um, Aaron Boyle Felino, who's the principal of St. Ferdinand School. You're with us, Aaron? I sure am. Thank Co you for having us, Mark. Great. Um, and Frida... Miss Coco, Coco Ciaulis, is that how you pronounce your <laughs> yeah, last? That's wonderful. <laughs> Good. I'm just going to say Miss Coco, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they call me here, so that works. <laughs> Our seventh grade teacher at St. Ferdinand's, Karina Sweater. Are you Hello. there, Karina? Yep. Good morning. Good morning. And you're a third grade student at St. Ferdinand's, and Jaden Hernandez, you're there? Yeah. Yeah. And you're an eighth grade student. Well, welcome all of you to Catholic Schools Today, WNDZ. And I'm going to defer to Dr. Jim Riggs for his first questions for you. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks, Mark. It's great to be with you all this morning. And it's neat to hear about all of the wonderful things that you are doing at St. Ferdinand School during this season of Lent. Uh, why don't we start with you, Miss Coco? Tell us a little bit about this um, this Lenten activity involving eating rice and the Rice Bowl Project from CRS. Sure. Um, so basically what happened was school-wide, uh, we wanted uh, the children to kind of get a sense of, of what it was like to just eat uh, rice uh, and, and just have one bowl of rice for a day. And really it was a school-wide effort from Principal Felino about just Let's just have one lunch, one period a day where the students just eat a rice bowl. Um, and it was kind of a little, like I have to say, walking down and seeing just one rice bowl at each lunch table was a little like 
it was visceral. You could see that this is what kids eat throughout the country, I mean, throughout the world, um, and some children, that's all they have to eat. Um, so it was an experience where these kids could actually see it. Um, they could kind of empathize and see what it was like to do so. Um, and that, that brings it home where that before, you know, it, it's a great thing to collect money, but to see it and, and taste it and feel it is a little different for them so they could relate to it more. Karina? That's great. And, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, Karina, what did you and your classmates think about that? Um, a little bad that um, some kids only get a bowl of rice for like um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, isn't that something that that's all they get? Yeah, it's sad. And what about Jaden? What was your what are your eighth grade uh, fellow students? What was what were your responses to it? Um, I felt like a lot of us maybe have went home hungry that day. We uh, actually got to feel some empathy for the kids uh, around the world who are starving. That's all they get for um, for a day. That's an interesting comment, that you went home hungry that day. Wow. Wow. Now what's yeah, next? Go ahead. We talk a lot, you know, I know in our Catholic schools about the uh, the principle of solidarity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we most people uh, uh, in our Catholic schools have regular access to food. And, uh, you know, we are standing in solidarity when we just eat a little bit of rice and go home hungry. It gives us a little bit of an understanding of what people around the world uh, go through. Uh, Aaron Foligno, is this something new this year that you've done, or or have you done this in prior years? Yes, it was something new that we did, and it actually stemmed from, like right now, all Catholic schools, parents, teachers, and students are taking the University of Chicago's Five Essentials survey, and that is looking for different characteristics about the school. And last year, when our students took that, it turned out that our lowest you know, scoring area was that students couldn't see how their faith and practice related to the real world. So as a faculty, we decided to make um, making that the kids more aware of how their faith can change the world um, by making it one of our school goals and our school improvement plan. And so we've done various activities, like once a month, for them to see how they can do social outreach things to improve the world. So this was just, you know, one way of making them see, because it's one thing, as Ms. Coco was saying, you know, to get the cardboard rice bowl from Catholic Relief Services and fill it up. And it's another to pray over the rice and watch the videos from CRS that actually show the children in the countries and what they, you know, look like and what they're countries and homes are like, and then to actually experience, as Jaden articulated too, um, just what it's like to just be fed a bowl of rice and how that feels later in the day. What other kinds of events? You you talked about other things that you're doing. I noticed here you have a you have a soup herbal, S O U P herbal. Can you can you share some of the other events that you've been involved with? Uh, at St. Ferdinand's? Sure. So that was an activity we did in November, and that was to encourage the kids to, it was like a contest, to bring in cans of soup, see which homeroom could bring in the most cans of soup, and all of the soup was going to be uh, headed to the food pantry, which is right across the street from St. Ferdinand Parish, and which is actually run by our eighth grade teacher, Mr. Mike McGinnis. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So, 
you know, in the cafeteria, which is the only place really where the kids pass um, cross, we started stacking up the soup cans. Um, we had like a field goal um, symbol there. And then we collected over 3,000 cans, which is really a good visual, you know, for the kids to see. And I know some of the kids use their own money to go to the grocery store with their parents. Um, or some kids just went shopping with their parents to pick up the cans. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Jaden, was your class involved with that? Yeah, yeah. We actually won the can contest. You and did? I was, um, we actually got to take the cans over to the food pantry right across the street. And I feel like getting all those cans, we were able to help uh, the community around St. Ferdinand. How wonderful. How wonderful. Now, what uh, I, let's go uh, maybe go back to you, Miss Coco. Tell us a little bit about why these types of activities, you know, uh, eating rice or you know, giving uh, canned food to others. Why, are, why is this important for kids at Catholic schools? What are you sort of hoping that they will learn from this? That's a, a great question. And, and I think, you know, we talk a lot about being the hands and feet of Jesus. So uh, it, it's, it's wonderful to, you know, just actually see the kids, actually do something about it and get excited about it and see the impact, especially with the soup drive and the rice bowl, to actually see the impact of the soup drive where they actually walked it over to the food pantry and were able to help Mr. McGinnis stack up the food pantry. And we even got, with my seventh grade class, to see people, you know, lining up and and being recipients of, of, you know, the charity. And it it really, for, for me and our class and our school, it's about being the hands and feet of Jesus. It really is. Um, so it's wonderful that the kids get so involved and, and the grades get so involved, and they bring that home and talk about it at home with their families. And, you know, in, in my class, uh, you know, I had a seventh-grade boy who uh, went home and talked about it with his brother, and his brother worked for Menards, of all places, and he brought in uh, so many from his workplace to donate to the food pantry. So... It really feels like a community here. It feels like a community effort, and it, it, helping our community was wonderful, and also helping globally with the rice bowls is really about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Karina, I said I was going to have a question for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, can you talk real loud when I ask the question, and then give me your answer, okay? Okay. Why do you love St. Ferdinand's School? Because... Um, it like appreciates like the poor kids and it's like um and, like, all the teachers are really nice and like um this, and everyone that works here is really nice to me and my friends are also nice. Now who I this I shouldn't ask this question. Do you have a favorite teacher? No. That you all you love them all, right? Yes, yeah, nice. you should run for public office. That was yeah, really good. That's a very safe answer. Go ahead, Dr. You. Jim. <laughs> You're a smart person, Karina. Uh, let, why don't we kind of broaden our discussion a little bit here? Uh, let's go to Jaden first, and then I'd love to hear from uh, from Aaron Salino. But uh, Jaden, you're an eighth grader, and I know this has been a very unusual year at St. Ferdinand with the COVID pandemic. Uh, you and your fellow students and teachers have had to wear masks. You've had to do distancing. You know, everything at the school has been a little different this year. Uh, how's everything going this year, Jaden? And then uh, maybe, Aaron, we'd love to hear from you on this as the principal. But let's let's start with the student perspective. Jaden, tell us how things have gone at, at St. Ferdinand this year during the pandemic. Um, you know, like, uh, learning has been, like, a bit hard. 
like um like that you can't um like get like a one on one time like up close with the teacher so that's really hard but um everything else has been going really really good i feel like um being back in the classroom we're getting to learn better cuz online school is just very bad i don't think any of us can't learn like one on one in person with the teacher i feel like we learn better like more kids learn better but if you're on the computer, I don't feel like you're getting the same education that you are in the classroom. It's great to hear. Thank you, Jaden. How about you, Erin? As the principal, how have things gone this year at St. Ferdinand? Yeah, when I look back to um, Dr. Rigg, I, I think about how nervous we all were as a community, teachers, students, parents. How was this going to work? Were we doing the right precautions? And it was a lot of setup and a lot of training you know, that the ARCH provided. And basically, though, we've been incredibly successful, and I think that's because of a really good partnership between the parents and the staff here at school. Um, we do do synchronous, um, our fans should say are fantastic, remarkable teachers do synchronous in-person learning and distance learning via Zoom practically the whole day. And in many ways, that's helped us because each homeroom has a few distance learners, but we've also left it so that if any child is feeling under the weather, they stay home and they distance learn. And that has really helped us. We've hardly had any cases of COVID because if some of those kids um, do develop COVID, they've already been out of the classroom. So that has been really a, um, a godsend to us to the, have these teachers working as amazingly as they are providing both. But I have to say that most days, even though this is a lot of extra work, whether it's the cleaning or the teaching, making sure the protocol is in place all the time, our days are very joyous. I say that again and again. Like the smiles on the kids, which you can't see through their masks, but you can see it on their eyes and their, hello, Mrs. Foligno, in, in the hall. They are happy to be there. Um, and they are learning. As you mentioned, our test scores on the iReady test um, significantly improved over the year, and it just really makes it all worthwhile. Ms. Coco, now as a teacher, um, you've had major adjustments this year what, what have been the challenges and what have been the blessings this year well, I, I have to say the blessing is for me especially is being in the classroom and seeing and interacting with the kids um, that has been the blessing for me <laughs> and uh, there have been challenges and principal Salino uh, really talks about that and especially uh, the support that we've had from uh, principal Salino and the arch and and trying to get everything set up and really what ends up happening is like it's like necessity creates all these kind of cool uh, things that you try out. Like for me, it was really important that my classroom, even if they were distance learning or if they were in person, that they had the same type of experience. So uh, finding, you know, things like Jamboard where we could both work on the same uh, material at the same time or trying to get you know, trying to be creative in a way to get the, like a small groups with distance learners and in-person learners. So trying to find different ways for me has been very challenging, but it's been rewarding because it's important to me that we, we give the distance learners the same experience that the in-person learners have. And some students really respond to that. And like Jaden was saying, some students really need the in-person instruction. Um, so it's been challenging this year, but I love what Principal Salino said. Joy is a great word for how I feel about this year because it's great to be back in the classroom. It's great to be a part of these kids' lives. 
and it's a blessing to be, you know, um, called their teacher. So I, I'm blessed in that. Is there anything else? Now, so if I'm a parent and I'm thinking about um, St. Ferdinand's, I have young children and I'm in, I just moved into the neighborhood there, say at Austin and Belmont. Um, tell us why. Why St. Ferdinand's? Well, maybe, all right, I'll start with that. Yeah, maybe Erin um, Tolino. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with this. Um, so this is my second year here, and I have really um, loved teaching here since almost the day I walked in. I mean, as alluded to before by Miss Coco, it really is a sense of community. Um, I think a lot of you know Catholic schools provide that as well. But at St. Ferdinand, you know, we are just small enough that the teachers truly get to know the kids. Um, if you have a preschooler, we have Marta Ostrowska. In our preschool program, she's like a legend, like a heart of our school. All the preschool families love her, um, you know, all the way up through our junior high, where we have a wonderful team of teachers that the kids um, all experience their different styles, and they are well-prepared um, when they leave here to conquer the challenges of high school. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great welcoming staff um, and professional, and the kids are good. We have subs come in our building <laughs> All the time, and they all say, I want to come back. I really like working with the kids here, and that's probably the biggest compliment we yeah, can get. I've had the uh, the great privilege of visiting St. Ferdinand on several occasions, and I've always been very impressed by the the community, the welcoming atmosphere, the quality of education. Uh, you all really do a good job at St. Ferdinand. Erin, uh, uh, just tell us, you know, we still have families out there uh, looking to enroll their kids in Catholic schools. Uh, can you give us a, a phone number and a website for St. Ferdinand School in case people are interested? Absolutely. So St. Ferdinand's phone number is 773-622-3022. Our website is www.stferdinandschool.org, and St. is actually spelled out in that. We would love to see anybody and give you a personalized tour of our building. We do do COVID-safe personalized tours at all of our Catholic schools, and uh, in addition to St. Ferdinand, there are 198 other great Catholic schools out there. So, uh, you know, I'd invite people to go to the Archdiocesan website, uh, archchicago.org. You can click on the schools link, and we have a great school finder. All you have to do is uh, plug in your zip code, and it will identify some great Catholic schools near you. You can't go wrong with any of them, but each school is a little bit different. And so uh, we'd encourage you to make an appointment to visit a Catholic school and, and walk around. And before we close... Uh, this segment, I want to thank everybody. But Karina and Jaden, do you want to do a shout out, Karina, first to your whoever's <laughs> listening, your family, your friends? Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> and Jaden, what about you? Um, I'd like to uh, shout out to my parents who have brought me to this wonderful school and uh, help uh, this this school has just helped me grow throughout the years that I've been here. For more information about Chicago Catholic Schools, visit schools.artchicago.org. That's schools.artchicago.org. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., 
the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Next up is a highlight from the Voice of Charity. This week, co-hosts Marie Jokum and Bridget Murphy explored new leadership and expanded programming in Lake County. Let's listen into that conversation. As our listeners know, we serve hundreds of thousands of people throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Um, and, and these two counties are, are distinct in size and structure and flavor. Uh, and so our programs and services are tailored in each county to meet client needs. Um, in the most effective ways. That's what we do at Catholic Charities. We meet people where they're at, and we do that um, even as we plan our programming. We also have extremely dedicated volunteers in Lake County, and one of them we're going to speak with today. That's right. With us today are Thomas Powers, the new chairman of the Lake County Board of Advisors, and Kristen Flanagan, regional project manager manager, excuse me, in Lake County to talk a little bit about what that work is like and what's happening in Lake County. Welcome, Tom and Kristen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, We should say, Tom, you really have to deliver this morning because Marie was just saying, Tom has a voice for radio. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's better than having a face for radio. That's right. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a few of us at this end. We're gonna start. We're gonna start with Kristen, but we'll get back to you, Tom, so you can have a drink of water, do whatever exercises get those vocal you cords need to ready do. to go. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kristen. Um, for those who are less familiar, and um, tell us a little bit about some of the basics of Lake County. How many people live in Lake County, and what are kind of the geographic boundaries? Sure. Uh, There are approximately 697,000 residents that live in Lake County. Catholic Charities services approximately 62,000 of these residents each year. And the county itself ranges or is uh, based from Highland Park to Barrington all the way up to the Wisconsin border. It really is a huge swath. And, you know, we um, here in the Archdiocese, right, we have both Cook and Lake County. But Lake County is um, very distinct. And and like I said, I said flavor. Maybe that wasn't the right word to use. But what are some of those things that are sort of the distinct characteristics uh, of Lake County that Catholic Charities really thinks about while we plan programs and services and offerings to the community? It is a large geographical area with the highest population density and people living in poverty or the working poor located in the eastern portion Mm -hmm. of the county, uh, Zion, Waukegan, North Chicago. Public transportation for these eastern communities allows for easy access to our Waukegan-based services. As for western Lake County, public transportation is more limited at best and needs have been steadily growing. So we strategically expanded our reach beyond the Waukegan area into Western Lake County. Our Round Lake office, the Schreiber Center for Human Services, serves those Western communities. Um, Catholic Charities is unique in Lake County in that we provide an array of services across a continuum of need. Uh, Food is the ever-present need, of course, and our services range from emergency services, such as food and housing assistance, through self-sufficiency. 
Uh, we serve all ages and stages of life from maternity and parenting all the way through senior care. It's so striking. Um, among all those services, um, obviously, we have to ask everyone about the <clears throat> about the pandemic. And you mentioned food um, and the Schreiber Center. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the center in a bit. But what have been the most urgent needs in terms of residents during the pandemic? The basic needs, yeah. uh, food, shelter, financial assistance for rent and utilities. Our emergency services team has done a fantastic job to address these needs and assist families with financial assistance to stabilize those housing needs. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we've so much of what we've heard from all of our programs and all of our partners are those basic human needs. And we also know that that those um, even as we start to to come out of the pandemic, the economic effects of being out of work for so long and illness and all sorts of other things that we know are occurring to people, it really is that basic human need that those that underpins everything else. If you can't eat, yep. you can't do a lot of other things. So we are really, really grateful for all you've done. We also know, you know, that we don't do this alone. Right. So we we don't enter into any space um, as the sole provider. So can you share with us a little bit about the partnerships that you have in Lake County? I know some of them have been very long standing and some are newer. So what are some of the, the unique collaborations that you have going on um, in Lake County? Uh, one really great uh, partnership that I'd like to mention is our African-American Community Partnership Group. Um, they in Lake County, that there is a growing population of African-American and Latino populations, and the ever-present health disparity mm -hmm. impacting these minority populations um, makes this partnership so important. Often we see a lack of trust in accessing health care vaccinations and testing, and so Catholic Charities with this partnership helps bridge that gap as a trusted resource for the community. Uh, recently, the African-American Community Partnership Group provided PPE, uh, that's personal protective mm -hmm. equipment that was distributed in our Waukegan and Round Lake food pantries. And additionally, they host Facebook Live sessions. Um, in the recent past, they've uh, focused on our immigration program and our emergency assistance program on their episodes. And we are slotted to um, be back as one of their guests to speak about our food assistance programs, like our community suppers and our food pantries. You know, um, Kristen, I urge our listeners to, if if you'd like, so you know that you can listen to us on the radio, but we also know you can find us on YouTube and you can um, search us and on Facebook as well. Thank you, Brian. He's making the sign for Facebook. Uh, we just played charades here. Um, but you can go back and listen to our episode where we were mm, able to true. interview um, the African-American community <clears throat> partner group um, and learn more about what they're doing. But we really want to highlight highlight and say thank you for being creative and entering into some of those awesome spaces. So Tom, first off, congratulations on your new position and thank you for your service to Catholic Charities. Can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been associated and really what is that role as board chair? Uh, thanks, Marie. Uh, it's, it's quite See, a he's got a great voice, everybody. <laughs> yeah, try not to cringe. Um, yeah. 
The you know, I've been associated with the board for a little over two years. I just moved into the, the, the role of board chair uh, coming into this year. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting time to come in uh, uh, as the board chair. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is, is changed. Uh, uh, and uh, as you all well know, and so the pandemic impacts what board members are able to do, how they can do the things that they want to do. Uh, and so it, it can lead to a kind of a, a state of flux or maybe a, a state of, of frustration. In, and, and my role, I think, is this year has been more of one of trying to be a steward. Uh, I read a, a great book recently, and, and I'm going to paraphrase a quote from that. Hopefully I don't butcher it too bad. But they were interviewing a, a young leader, and, and they asked about how they go about addressing problems and where they get involved. And and it was timely because I was reading this book right as I was getting ready to address our board for the first time. And basically, they said, I asked the questions, what is the need or what are the needs? What is it that I can offer? What can we offer? And is there a fit? And so even though we're operating in the time of pandemic, which puts some hurdles maybe in front of us as we try to serve the community and carry on the mission of Catholic Charities, the need is as great or greater than ever before. So the needs are clear in, to identify what we can offer in terms of our support, our time, our energy, our thoughts, our resources, our contacts. Uh, uh, that's a good list. And when you compare the two, you find that there's much that we can do. And so my job with the board really during this time, the way I view my role is, is to say, we, well, we, it may, we may not be able to do things exactly the way we could before or do the things we wanted to do or we had been doing. There is still much we can do. And if you can't do exactly what you want, do what you can. And there's much that we can do. And I feel like that my role right now is to keep bringing opportunities to the board to show where they can put their tremendous brains, their energy, and their resources. That's fantastic. Um, I do, pardon me, um, recall something we did early in the pandemic that reminds me of what you're saying in terms of being flexible and and figuring out where we can play a role when we have to be socially distant or whatever it might be. And we had several of our board of advisors call frontline staff Mm -hmm. or or email them and thank them for their work. And that meant the world. You know, people don't make a whole lot of money at Catholic Charities. Um, And especially our frontline people who are dealing with so much, it meant the world to hear from a board member, like, we know you're out there. We support you. Thank you for your work. And I thought, I think that's a good example of being a little more creative about what we might do. So I appreciate um, the lens you're using um, now, I know the role doesn't have a lot of benefits, um, Tom, but what are you what are you liking most about the role um, of board chair and, and what drew you to it or what made you say yes when you were asked? I, I was invited to a, a board meeting a few years ago uh, by a, a, a colleague of mine who was a past board chair, a gentleman named Ray Swabeck. And at the time, uh, Debbie Lambert, who's our past chair, was leading the meeting. And you're in this room with a lot, lot of very bright. I was first struck that these people were bright. They were engaged. They were asking pointed questions. They were actively engaged 
in the, in the meeting and in the topics you could care you could tell this was a really high grade group of people but what struck me and maybe I should have assumed this but it but I, I it, it dawned on me during the meeting was that this was more than just good smart people with a lot of energy these were people of faith and their faith that the tenet the underpinning of their for their how they live their lives calls them to acts of mercy and acts of love uh, and, and acts of service. And so this isn't just something that, that they enjoy, although I'm sure that they do enjoy their work. This isn't something to pass the time. This is fundamental to the decisions they've made as to how they live their life. This is their faith, and their faith calls them to act. And we take that combination of bright, engaged people with big, big motors and tie it to the fact that they're acting on their faith. That's a pretty powerful combination, and, and I just wanted to be part of it. You're also a volunteer and have volunteered with us in a few spaces. Would you share with our listeners, and we didn't prep you for this, but would you share <laughs> with our listeners some of your volunteer work with us? I know being a board chair is volunteer work, but you've done other things as well with us. Well, you know, I got started uh, early on working with the Mitch Siegel uh, under the Veterans Employment Program uh, and the employment readiness efforts, working with veterans to prepare them for job interviews, uh, helping with resumes, uh, kind of role-playing what those interviews will look like, meeting with veterans at out at Lovell. And um, I thoroughly enjoy that. I love working with Mitch. And, and working with the veterans, uh, for me, is like a B-12 shot. It, it really <laughs> it really uh, it really fills me with a lot of energy. So I loved it. I've gotten involved. I do some some uh, meals on wheels. I, I uh, I'm working now, uh, making a weekly um, uh, trip to the food bank to work in either either intake or distribution. Um, senior suppers. I, I like to get involved. I think Marie, you've probably heard me say this before. I encourage every board member uh, to volunteer. I think volunteering. Uh, makes you so much better uh, as a board member. Uh, it keeps the mission right in front of you, and it, it, it keeps you connected. It's a great, great, keeps you grounded about what the real work is. Tom, I mean, <laughs> gee, everything that comes out of your mouth is just a gem. I told you um, he's ready for radio. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's one of the greatest things about Catholic Charities, in my opinion, um, is, is how many of the board members – and the volunteers, um, I mean, obviously the volunteers mm -hmm. who help us with our work, but they are on the ground and mm -hmm. they know the clients and they have their passion projects. And it's it's very, very special. We're, we're one big community and then we have mm -hmm. lots of little communities and um, it's really, really striking. And, you know, another area where we're very blessed is with financial support and Oh, I think we lost somebody, did we? Um, last year at this time, we announced that construction was underway on the John and Kathy Schreiber Center for Human Services in Lake County, which was mentioned earlier in the show. Due to the great generosity of John and Kathy Schreiber, Catholic Charities has the opportunity to help more residents in the western part of the county and offer services that provide greater stability. Um, why don't we go to Kristen first for an update on what's happening at the Schreiber Center? Of course. The Schreiber Center is now open, 
It is located at 101 North Cedar Lake Road in Round Lake. A wide range of services are provided there, including senior services, Meals on Wheels, Behavior Health Services. However, due to the pandemic, we have limited access to the building. So we ask that people in need call our care coordinator to help navigate these resources. Her phone number is 312-618-4202. Other on-site services that we're offering at the Triborough Center are the food pantry. It is twice weekly and we're serving 30 to 50 households. Uh, Tom referenced, you know, his volunteer opportunities as intake and distribution. This is where we've seen his friendly face uh, <laughs> helping out our, our mission. Um, and then we also have weekly Wednesday evening suppers. They are to-go meals at this time. And we are serving on average 50 people weekly they come, they receive their meals, we have a little chat, and then um, they head on their way. We do expect all of these numbers to grow as we continue to publicize our services. Absolutely. You know, and I had the, like, I luck. I had the joy of <laughs> being able to visit the Schreiber Center last week for the first time, and it is a beautiful building. And it really is. It's really lovely, and we're so so, so grateful to um, the Schreibers for their generosity um, and also being able to serve in Western Lake County. Um, you know, in, in just the little bit of time we have left here, Kristen, what are, you know, I know we're in this space of the pandemic, but what are some of the other projects on the horizon for Catholic Charities in Lake County? Very excited about a few of them. I'll tell you, our regional director, who is also a new leader for our Lake County Catholic Charities, Lisa Rohde. Um, she is looking to add a small clothing room to that Schreiber Center where donations can be sorted and displayed for clients to come and choose items for themselves and their families. Uh, we are also looking to expand our Diaper Depot, Depot program. Excuse me, Diaper Depot program. That's a uh, very hard one. There's a lot of deals. <laughs> you know, and the sad part is I, I am, um, as project manager, I do the Diaper Depot myself. And, and I'll talk to my partners and I get all tongue-tied. <laughs> so you're all good. You're also great on the radio, Kristen. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Catholic Charities currently works in tandem with the St. Vincent de Paul Society in Libertyville. They uh, give us a 2,000-square-foot warehouse space for me to store the diapers so that we can serve um, the, the partners within Lake County. We are looking to expand that program into Western Lake County, uh, so we potentially have a secondary diaper depot location in that Shriver Center, which is exciting. Very exciting. And, you know, we could talk with both of you for hours. I do want to urge listener, any of our listeners who are interested in volunteering in Lake County to call 847-782-4416, 847-782-4116. There's so many great things happening. Thank you, Tom and Kristen, for um, being with us for all of the work that you do with Catholic Charities in Lake County. We know, we know Lake County is in great hands under your leadership. For more information about Catholic Charities, how they assist people in need, and how you can help, visit catholiccharities.net. That's catholiccharities.net. For our final segment today, we turn to the program called Lifelong Journey. This month, host Clarissa Alentara was joined by Father Chuck Don, 
Here's a highlight. So, Father Chuck, I saw uh, earlier this winter that there were a series of you know webinars that you and perhaps others that you were doing your ministry with were putting on around teen dating violence. And I didn't know, you know, does it is there just more of an impact now, or are people paying attention more now, or like kind of how did you know how does that fit in in kind of what you're currently doing? Yes, I think that um, what we're finding in the parishes that there is more interest in trying to help children and and helping them to uh, avoid uh, violence and teen, teen dating violence in in particular, but also all kinds of violence. So yeah, there is. Uh, and how is that demonstrated or recognized? Well, they want a speaker to come and talk to parents or talk to the children. Um, we ourselves encourage parishes to do that, because we have speakers uh, who will go out. These are people who, uh, we have two women who are just magnificent. This is what they do in their normal jobs. They work for domestic violence agencies, and they go to schools talking about uh, teen dating violence and uh, how to protect yourself, how to understand what is a healthy relationship and what is an unhealthy relationship. So we say, you know, this should be in your school, it should be in your religious ed program, especially your confirmation preparation program. They, they should get it. Um, so we offer the speakers for that, and um, so we did these webinars, and one of them was on teen dating violence. We didn't tape them, but we're going to do these uh four webinars, again, tape them, and they'll be on our website. But one thing we do have on our website is a class taught by one of these women. Uh, As I say, they're professionals in talking to children. She's giving a class to the uh, high schoolers at Our Lady of Mercy confirmation class. And... um, it's about an hour-long video. It's really good. This woman just knows how to engage these kids. About So what's dating? You know, tell, tell me, what's a date? How many of you ever been on a date? What's that like? You know, what are you afraid of? What are you looking for? So forth and so on. So she gets them very engaged. Now, these are high schoolers, right? But actually, we have found, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has found, that we have to start talking about healthy relationships much sooner than high school. By high school, kids are pretty much got in their heads how they're going to relate to the uh, opposite gender. Um, but so you, you have to get early. So the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has developed a curriculum and we are promoting that curriculum and now implementing it in some Catholic schools, piloting it. So our goal is to get it into all Catholic schools. So this is a seven class, seven classes for sixth graders, seventh graders, and eighth graders. It's a little different each year. So we're starting in sixth grade in some schools, and then we'll follow up and do sixth and seventh next year, sixth, seventh, and eighth. So this, this, this curriculum was developed over like eight years, and about $17 million worth of research and development went into this. 
And it was actually uh, uh, the original trials of this were in four cities, one of which was Chicago. So um, it's it's a marvelously evidence-based uh, curriculum. That means it's been validated to be effective. It is effective. It will reduce violence for kids. That's what has been proven over these eight years. It just came out a year or so ago, so it's not well known. And uh, we in Chicago are one of the few places in the country that is really implementing it right now. But we're doing it at a small scale. But our goal is to get it into all Catholic schools and then eventually into all public schools in the state. So I'm wondering, since you've been in this ministry for a while, I have to ask you the Jesus question, which is, you know, in your time, especially maybe even recently as you've worked with the teen programs, you know, how how have you in- encountered Christ? How have you encountered Jesus, you know, working within the context of this ministry that I know I imagine for some is so deeply wounding and, and just so, you know, there's a, a number of, you know, instances of perhaps of pain and hurt, you know, as they're describing their stories. Well, I think it's a number of ways. I mean, in terms of children, I mean, we know, you know, from uh, Matthew 19, verse 14, um, where Jesus says, let the children come to me, and the apostles don't want to do it. And he said, let them come to me. And we know that he said, uh, which is in Mark 9, verse uh, 42, that those who cause any of these little ones to stumble, it would be better that they had a millstone tied around their necks and thrown into the sea. So he he was clear that he was defending children, who at that time were not defended. There weren't, you know, any laws against child abuse and so forth at that time. So Jesus was definitely concerned about children. But I think, and that fits into an overall approach of Jesus, which is to defend the vulnerable, the marginalized, the poor, the oppressed. I mean, you know, in Matthew 25, he said, you know, he's separating in the final judgment. He tells the story of the king who separates the goats from the sheep. And he tells the sheep, you know, you gave me to drink. You gave me to eat when I was hungry. You visited me. You well, uh, took care of me when I was sick. And when you... Because when you did it to any of these of my little ones, any of these people who are suffering, you did it to me. So we know that, uh, I mean, Jesus said so many times that service to others is key. Now he said, they're the highest in the kingdom of God are those who have served more. So I feel like, you know, when we discover, as we have in the last couple of decades, how the Church has not responded to victims of domestic violence, has not responded to teens suffering. You know, it wasn't on our radar. And I have to say, for much of the Church, it's still not on our radar. So we are still learning uh, that this is part of the poor and the oppressed in our world, that if Jesus were here, he would be responding to. And we know that he did that with regard to women. I mean, he reached out to the woman caught in adultery. He reached out to the woman who had kind of a chronic bleeding issue, to the woman who was uh, had a hunched back and was limping around, the woman at the well who wasn't even uh, part of the Jewish community. He reached out to these women and included them. 
and showed his respect and his concern for them. So that motivates us as we reach out to this these segments of our population, which we are now discovering are suffering in a, 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 a unique way and a way that is often unrecognized. I mean, lots of people are shocked when they hear the statistics about these problems. And maybe the next segment we can go into how common, how big a problem is this? I really like to ask my guests, you know, is there a personal story that you have that really touches your heart, that helps, you know, really illustrate, you know, your experience in this ministry? Well, I have, um, you know, I, I started a domestic violence ministry in our parish, St. Pius V, um, 20, 20, 25 years ago. So I have come across lots of people. And in this position that I am now in the archdiocese, because I'm not in a parish, I don't have quite as many, but I'm still connected to the group that we've formed, which is called Hope Family Services. It's located in the Pilsen neighborhood, and it provides counseling support groups for women, women victims, for their children, whether they're young or adolescents, and for those who cause harm, for men especially, who are causing harm if they want to change. So I have a lot of contact, okay, for, and I have it frequently. I mean, every week, every not every day maybe, they get somebody new almost every day. I don't. But um, I'll tell you one that I just discovered this week uh, was a woman who, uh, called me and, and talked about how she was living with her parents right now because her husband uh, that she married became was a very angry person, but also very violent. Anger isn't the same as violence, <laughs> and um, and so she was her life was in danger. So she had to separate, which she did. And I said, well, are you married? And, and yes. And uh, do you have any children? No. And I said, well, are, are you going to get a divorce? She said, well, I have to wait because I have to make sure that he is not going to explode when he finds out that he's served with a divorce paper. I want to get him to agree to it. So, I, you know, we, I do talk to him on the phone occasionally and, and broach this topic. And, of course, he wants to get together again, and I want... Uh, there's no way. Mm -hmm. But I'm afraid that he will cause me harm. Mm -hmm. He might even kill me, kill me or maybe some of my family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that gives you, that's just one example. Um, but uh, there are many, many examples, and they're, they're all unique. We close today's program with an important reminder that you can attend Mass Online by visiting our website, archchicago.org. That's archchicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Our thanks to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish language Mass at 10 a.m., and Polevision for televising our Polish language Mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Have a great weekend. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. 
And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.